Network and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Here on demand and live on the blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Phone lines will be open in the next hour of the program because the president of the United States said something very interesting recently that I don't think is getting enough attention. And I think folks that make up an audience like this and your opinion as to what he said, I think that matters maybe more than any section uh, and in, uh, of any cross section of the country and their opinion on this matter. I'll explain why and we'll get your reaction in the next hour of the show. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Keep it handy for a little bit later on. You can also email us and let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is how to email the program. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. For those of you listening on the radio or on the podcast, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Feedback Friday is coming up at the bottom of the hour. I'm sorry, not Feedback Friday. It's Tuesday. A little off. Yeah, Just can, a bit outside. You can tell I am working for the weekend here, lover boy. <laughs> yes. Uh, fake news or not. The fact that it's Feedback Friday, that's our first piece of fake news we're debunking here on the show today. All right. So fake news or not is coming up at the bottom of the hour here in a matter of moments. So stay tuned for that. We also appreciate that we get to do some cool things as part of a job like this. And one of them is to support some outstanding causes like Back to Jerusalem. And they're an organization based in communist China. And their heart is to take the greatest hope of all. Uh, the word of God to as many closed countries like communist China as they possibly can. So that means places like North Korea. That means places like Somalia, Iran. Basically what they want to do is get the Bible everywhere between communist China and Jerusalem. And if you want to assist, well, how are they going to do that? Well, they they have this, um, I guess we'd call it a pill-sized Bible to describe how small that it is. And no, they, they, they're not Jehovah's Witnesses. They didn't come up with their own version of the Bible and say, hey, surprise. No, they, no that's, that's not what they do here. It's the actual Bible. It's the actual scriptures. And they just it's Genesis to Revelation. They've just shrunk it down so it's easier to say maybe uh, slip it past the goalie there uh, in places like North Korea, for example, uh, and to get it into the hands uh, of as many people in, in closed countries. Uh, get this hope into as many people as they possibly can. And they're asking for our help here at The Blaze. They want to send 10,000 of these to these closed country. They want, they want to send 10,000 of them. And here's what they need from each and every one of us. 15 bucks. Basically, the cost for you to take you know a friend out to a fast food launch is all that it costs to get one of these Bibles into one of these closed countries. If you want to support this cause, and it is a, certainly a worthy one, two ways you can do this. You can go to the website, blazehelp.org. That's blazehelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. 844-305-0566. Still nothing. No, I think, you know, we're uh, supporting iTarget Pro, um, you know, helping them out. I think my computer, I, I think I'm going to use that as my next target right now because it's having having a few issues over here. So if you were wondering, Steve, I, I'm a frequent listener to the show and I know you can talk a lot faster than that. 
Uh, it's the year of no BS. So this is kind of cool. You know, we've got a massive ice storm happening in Iowa and approximately, uh, literally when they, when, when Ron back in Dallas said 10 seconds, Aaron says to me, uh, my computer that plays all our elements, uh, just shut itself off and I can't get it working. But I'm yep. sure it'll be just a minute, and I will give you – I'll let you know yep. when it comes back. I'm giving it all she's got, Captain. <laughs> yes. So we are uh, – we're out of dilithium crystals here. The transwarp drive is toast, folks. All right, so we're going to do this the old-fashioned way because I've not seen your montage, so I, I don't know what's in there. And we do this on purpose because I like to be able to react to stuff like this in real time. So, Aaron, you're just going to tell us, you know, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. You're just going to, because the show must go on. Yeah. So, so we're I, just going to go one by one down your rundown. You're going to tell us what you had in there. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and apologize for not looking at the camera right now as I attempt to get this back on its feet. But we're having lots of adventures in our culture right now. We have two on today's montage. First, it's adventures and MLK Day festivities. I think you can probably detect where that's going. The second is adventures in circling the drain as far as Covington Catholic goes. And Steve, I know you love uh, uh, alliteration, so it's a Covington Catholic uh, coverage or controversy continues. That's what this is going to be. Also, a couple of stories out of, uh, I don't know, I guess you could call it Catholicism as well. Uh, something's happening at Notre Dame, which uh, probably shouldn't surprise you. Another thing happened um, that the Vatican is doing to another Catholic uh, podcast uh, that you'll want to watch as well. And then at the end, because we've had enough drain circling the last couple of uh, days to last us probably the next three or four years at least, uh, we actually have something good at the end of the montage today if my computer will start working here because it's booting up, but it's not doing anything at all. So that's that's a little bit of a preview of what we've go, got going on at the show. Did you guys hear about the bank robbery, though? Or not the bank robbery, the, the robbery here on the south side of town? No. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the, the police department was robbed and the criminals, the burglars, b- broke in, took all of the phones and all of the toilet seat covers uh, of all things. Now the police are stuck because they have no leads and nowhere to go. So I'm, you can't say I'm not entertaining. I think that's what broke no, the I, computer right there. I, I think that we unequivocally uh, can say that as a matter of fact. I, I'm aware of what's going on at Notre Dame with Christopher Columbus. Uh, so let's start with that topic. Notre Dame. Well, this is not new at Notre Dame. Um, they have been trending this way for a while. Uh, they are the world's, I think, are they still the world's largest Catholic institution of higher learning? I can't be certain about that. I, I'm, I I'm pretty sure it's, that they it's are. It's up there. If they're not, then they're like two. All right. But it, it's, it's, it's one of them. And I thought, it, I, I thought it was odd a few years ago when I was watching one of their college football games on NBC and in a mom is the is is the featured guy in the commercial because in a mom would be from a, a religion not uh, associated traditionally with Catholicism. So I, I don't know why in a mom. First of all, in a mom should not feel comfortable promoting your your faith-based institution if you are faithful to your faith. Unless. Yes. Ah, right? So there's, there's a couple of, uh, of problems with that. All right, I think we're good to go. <sighs> and now, with much further ado, here's what happened while we were away. We were away, brought to you by Adventures in MLK Junior Day festivities. We'll start with Democratic Caucus Chair Akeem Jeffries. Obviously, these are challenging times in the United States of America, we have a hater in the White House. 
the birther in chief, uh, the grand wizard of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, one of the things that we've learned is that while Jim Crow may be dead, he's still got some nieces and nephews that are alive and well. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Millennials and people and, you know, Gen Z and all these folks that come after us are looking up and we're like, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is your your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? And like this is the war. This is our World War Two. Bernie Sanders. It gives me no pleasure to tell you that we now have a president of the United States who is a racist. Journalists continue to rip on Covington Catholic this time around. They found a photo from a few years ago from a boys basketball game where the theme for the night was blackout. Everybody's supposed to wear black who attends the game as the theme. Some people wore black face paint. They also found photos of players celebrating a three-point shot, saying the symbol they were using was one of white power. So, of course, the school is systemically racist. The original account, which began the firestorm largely, was suspended by Twitter yesterday. Reports are that it is a Russian troll account, so great job. Great job, everybody. Alyssa Milano says, let's not forget the entire event happened because a group of boys went on a school-sanctioned trip to protest against a woman's right to her own body and reproductive health care. It is not debatable that bigotry was at play from the start. Kamala Harris says, I am running for president of the United States. Notre Dame says it's covering murals of Christopher Columbus on campus because he's offensive. The Daily Wire's Michael Knowles, a Catholic, produced evidence yesterday that the video version of his podcast is being censored and banned in the Vatican. And finally, because we've had enough drain circling the last couple of days to last us at least another year, here's something that's actually good. What is a man? Is a man brave? Is a man a hero? Is a man is a man a protector? Is a man vulnerable? Is a man disposable? Is a man broken? Is a man trying? see the good in men.
For those of you listening, what we just watched was a commercial from Igard Watch Company entitled, What is a Man? A Response to Gillette. It was filled with graphics of facts, mainly from the U.S. Census Bureau, about men that you'll never hear from mainstream outlets or from mainstream companies like Gillette. Again, if you're just listening, you'll want to watch this up, A Response to Gillette. And that's what happened while we were away. So, boy, there is uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's let's start with the MLK montage at the very beginning. I don't I don't say this provocatively, and I don't I don't say it gleefully. The list of people who don't share your political opinions and have power who are willing to share forget a country oxygen with you is shrinking because I go back to a conversation I had when when Ted Cruz was first surging as a US senator and he was taking doing all these provocative things and uh, it may shock none of you that some of the people I roll with in politics can be highly cynical. <laughs> uh, and I don't call it cynicism. I call it, so you're paying attention, right? <laughs> you're, you're aware of what's happening out there. And I'd not yet met Ted. And one of the people in my inner circle said he didn't buy this at all, thought it was an act. And it was just being done to curry favor with the base. And I said to him at the time, so... Because even if you're right, he is still making our case that we are too. Because the only reason this would be advanced, if he were doing this for career advancement, the only way it would be successful for him is if indeed this is what the audience wants. You don't get successful advancing your career in politics, giving the audience what it doesn't want. That typically doesn't work that way. So even if it is, so my, my position at the time was, it, it, we went either way. If he's sincere, cool, we have a potential champion. And if he's not sincere, cool too, because he's proving that the market is what we want. So he's advancing our narrative, whether it is because he shares it or it's, you know, he, he is politically grandstanding. What does that have to do with this conversation? Same thing applies here, just in reverse. This may or may not be what these people really think. I'm, I'm pretty convinced Ocasio-Cortez believes the world will end in 12 years if we don't address global warming. And we've heard these alarmist statements from these people all this time. All my life, in fact. Um, and every time I, I, I put one of them on the show and I'm like, hey, I don't want to be like, you know, the scientist on Krypton who told Girelli was wrong the whole time until it was too late, you know? So what's your new evidence you know, from when Ted Danson told me in the sixth grade, I would boil swimming in the ocean. And it's all the same arguments that we were hearing in 87 or in Al, Gore, Al Gore's book. Nothing changes. They make all the same arguments. It's a religious fervor. That level of dogma, the dogma lives loudly within her. That'll preach. That level of dogma, that level of instant character assassination and and group accountability that you see from the men bookending her in that in that 
series of clips. Whether they believe it or not, whether Bernie Sanders believes it or not, whether Mr. Jeffries believes it or not, is immaterial. They're saying these things to applause. So even if they don't believe it, even if this is political grandstanding to them, they are demonstrating there is a market for this. There was applause, and I intentionally left some of the clips going a little bit long. There was applause in each one yes. of those cuts that I played. Yes. So, I mean, I, I, would, I would challenge Mr. Jeffries, if you really believe this, how do you stomach going to work in the U.S. Congress every day surrounded by a bunch of racists? You're the sellout. Same thing to Bernie Sanders. You're the sellout. So Trump and everybody that voted for him is a racist. You go to work every day in the U.S. Senate with all kinds of people who voted for Trump. You're surrounded by racists. What are you doing about it? How do you stomach that? So I, I kind of think they're frauds. But the problem is they have glommed onto something that is gaining traction. We're running, we're running out of cartilage in the knee. And, and, you know, the same thing applies to the Notre Dame Christopher Columbus story. If you believe Christopher Columbus was terrible, why are you even a student at Notre Dame? There would not have been a Notre Dame without Christopher Columbus. Why are you a student there? Why, do you go, why did you ever go to school there? This country, universities like Notre Dame existing in this country at all are part of his legacy. Why are you, why are you paying a university from the same totalitarian movement that spawned Christopher Columbus hundreds of thousands of dollars for a degree of oppression? Why are you doing this? See, these arguments are instantly disintegrated because they're not arguments. They're mobs. They're cults. There's a gentleman that came at me on Twitter yesterday. He was an activist here on the other side of the aisle in our state. And I'm a fake Christian. I'm a racist, everything else. I just simply said to him, you know, let me copy copy my producer, Aaron. I'll give you a platform much bigger than your 782 Twitter followers. I'll put you on one of the biggest conservative media platforms in the country. And I'll give you all the time you want. You can come in here and you can make all the arguments about, you know, our audience deserves to know they're being scammed, in my opinion. I'd, I'd want to know. I watched his reactions to an open invitation that could not have been more civil. That man's not sane. I'm not, and I'm not, this isn't a hot take. This is the lucid sanity or lucid insanity that cults produce. This is, this is what you're looking at when you watch an episode of Sister Wives. And they just seem eager to share their husband with a seventh wife. Something's not right there because it's not right. Foolish hearts are darkened. Depraved minds are given over to themselves. That's what you're watching take place here. And I will reset what caused this uh, leftist activist in Iowa to lose his poop on me yesterday. Because I believe it. We are careening towards our Archduke Ferdinand moment. 
This is a one-way street, and it's the Hotel California, brother. You can check out. You can check in anytime you like, but you don't ever leave once you're on this path. It's it's revival or oblivion. There's a it's a pass fail exercise. And the irony is, most of the people with my worldview who are who and, and we're here for this confrontation. That's why we're on this earth. We would happily avoid it at all costs. We're enjoying taking our kids to soccer practice and basketball games and going to, you know, Marvel movies. And we would love to just say, you know what, man, you guys live out there in California weird. And, you know, and, you know, we'll live here and we'll get together, you know, uh, a couple times a year, state of union addresses and an election. And, you know, let's just keep the gravy train rolling here. There's just too much uh, grainy goodness happening. We're not the ones driving this confrontation. The darkness is, and they're going to force it on us. They already are. They already are. Camilla Harris saying, I'm running for, to be president of all Americans. So our buddy Bob Vanderplatz, who was on the show with us yesterday, tweeted back to her, hey, if you're coming to Iowa and you're running to be president of all Americans, why don't you get to come and meet with me? I think we all know the answer to that. Her definition of all Americans ain't the same as yours. Every time you turn on a Tolerance Boulevard, it's a one-way street. Except now it's actually becoming a dead end. So all the signs are there. Watching yesterday, watching CNN's main feed on Twitter, continue to promote the Covington Catholic story. While really the only reporter at CNN that has an ounce of credibility with Americans on both sides of the aisle, Jake Tapper, is pointing out that the entire original narrative was a scam. I I, I don't know. <laughs> Sane people don't do things like this. So, if, you know, if you've ever studied, you know, and you watched how cultures in the past have collapsed or have given themselves over to conmen and, and tyrants. Or if you read the scriptures and you think to yourself, man, we would never fall for stuff like that. How'd they ever, how'd they ever, you know, how'd they ever, you know, step on that rake? Well, <laughs> uh, 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 turn on the TV for five minutes because it's happening right now, Todd. Yeah, we're a nation full of sideshow bobs. And uh, the answer uh, that is born out of hate and frustration, and listen, there's all kinds of people have a right to be frustrated uh, right now, certainly regarding Covington Catholic, regarding uh, Karen Pence. Um, but listen, somebody needs to realize that the answers, the only answer in this situation that Steve is talking about, what's the most Christ-like thing to do? It, that nothing else is sufficient. Uh, our, our malice is growing in such that we are we are handing things over. As Steve just said, this is from the Dark Knight. We're handing things over uh, to people we don't fully understand, to the, the ways of doing things we don't fully understand. Um, we are justified in reacting to the darkness, but we're not lighting candles that can t- defeat that darkness. We just simply aren't. Uh, I. 
the Steve just needs to use that term. We haven't broke it out in a while, but the lucid insanity thing. We we are staring into the face of madness. Make no mistake. Shouldn't about every it. one of those students at Notre Dame offended by this? Why shouldn't they drop out of school? Why are they there? Yes. Why are they giving their money to an institution that is here ultimately because of the legacy? Without Christopher Columbus, there's no Notre Dame. There's no United States of America. So why are they going to an institution that is? That is the the spawn of of his oppression. Why are they doing that? Uh, well, uh, th- they are either knowingly or unknowingly part of the great iconoclasm that we always talking about. Th- they are trying to ultimately break it and reform it in their image. Yeah, and there's a reason why we refer to progressivism, the heresy of this age. Why we refer to it as a, uh, a horde, a swarm um, of locusts. It's, um, it, there's a there's number of meanings behind that because locusts, once they go through a path and once they pass over something, um, there's usually nothing left. And when mm-hmm. there's nothing left, they start turning on themselves. I think there's another meaning behind this as well. The, the grace of God in our lives gives us... Um, gives us the power through Christ to overcome our base nature. And although we are created in God's image, the imago Dei, that is our our spirit, we're still in these bodies. And without the, the grace of God to lift us, to rise above our base nature uh, through Christ, we are very much um, instinctual. We're very much like animals. And that is uh, in in some ways, I don't want to get into the the, the specifics of of this particular analog, but that is what we're seeing here. We're th- seeing very much instinctual tribe like pack like thinking from a number of people, and there is no short of a miracle. And we don't say those things glibly, but short of a miracle, there is no coming back from that. From the left, uh, there's no, there's no coming back from that. There's no reasoning with these people. The same person who you were talking about, the leftist activist, um, told it was lecturing you about how you were a fake Christian. The very next tweet he sent was to me, telling me to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that is that is the that is the incongruity of these people. All that is to say, that's not just to say these people are crazy. You know. But, you already know that. that is Muslim say, scholar Reza no, Aslan saying, I want to punch those teenage kids yeah. in, at that Catholic school in the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the, the incongruity is only for this, to illustrate that there is no reasoning with these people. They're still all um, capable um, of receiving God's grace, um, but not in and of themselves. Uh, it is going to take an act uh, of... Um, Great power, um, a miracle, literally a miracle from God and revival to change these people's hearts and minds. And to whatever extent you can, preach the gospel. But we are very much with a lot of people in the, once you've done that and there's no response, it's very much in the kick the, kick the dust from your sandals and move along phase because there is just no reasoning, no rationale. There is uh, nothing needed here but a miracle and an act of God. Aaron's Montage today brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. Uh, You may think you are immune to identity theft because you have identity theft protection, but when you have massive data breaches like what happened recently at the Marriott Corporation through their Starwood Hotels line, 500 million identities stolen. So maybe your identity can be protected, but the things they can use your personal information on a secondary level to acquire uh, when they have your social security, last four digits of a social number, a middle initial, a birth date, uh, a password. 
password question, things of that nature. When they have some of that stuff, they can uh, they can then go after things your identity theft doesn't protect you from, like uh, trying to get rid of or trying to liquidate the equity in your home through what's called home title fraud. And with your home titles now all online and not you know in a pile of paperwork at a county recorder's office, they're more accessible but also more vulnerable than ever before. And now they may have that identifying information needed to say, yes, I am you, and therefore get a hold of your home title and liquidate that equity so that they rob you of the most valuable, precious investment, financial investment most Americans will ever have, and that's your own home. If you have multiple rental properties, if you have elderly parents who have a lot of equity built up into their homes, you are especially vulnerable here, and it's just pennies a day to go to Home Title Lock and have them put that virtual barrier around your home's title. And you can find out right now for free if you have been targeted if you're vulnerable at HomeTitleLock.com. They'll give you a free credit report and scan right now for the Blaze family here if you're watching or listening today at HomeTitleLock.com. When we come back, it's our weekly edition of Fake News or Not. Stay tuned. We like to stand with those who are taking a stand here on The Blaze. One such person, Miss Victoria Hurst, she is taking one of the toughest stands of them all. She's taking a stand against her own family. She is uh, uh, descended from uh, William Randolph Hearst, one of the most famous, wealthiest uh, you know, scions in, uh, in American history. Uh, and one of their, her family's prime properties, you've all heard of, Cosmopolitan Magazine. And Victoria is concerned that in recent years, Cosmo has essentially become Playboy. It's, it's essentially become uh, more and more pornographic. And they're targeting it at young girls, daughters my age. Uh, my, my daughter's age, Todd's uh, daughter's ages, your daughter's ages. She's not out to censor the family business or anything of that nature. She's trying to get her family's attention with our help uh, to reach out to them and say, hey, if, if you want to put this in your magazine, fine. But can you at least, you know, market it exclusively to adults and not to children like other magazines that have similar adult content do? If you want to stand with Miss Victoria Hurst here, here's what you need to do. Visit the website, CosmoHurtsKids.com. That's CosmoHurtsKids.com. Let me give it to you one more time. CosmoHurtsKids.com. All right, let's get to it. Clip number one from this week's edition of Fake News or Not. Here's the issue. When people like Charles Blow and when people like Congressman Jeffries slander the president and continue to call him a racist, here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to marginalize him and our entire movement. They're trying to say, you have no standing in polite society. Uh, Why? Because you're disrupting uh, the system that we have built, which is built on identity politics, which serves the interests, yes, of a lot of politicians who happen to be of color, but not communities of color. No, he's not the worst. And let me tell you this. Let me tell you this as well. First of all, they never Never say on television that I try to slander anybody. I'm telling the truth, and you're lying as you normally do, right? Call, calling him a racist that, is a slander. I didn't interrupt you. I didn't interrupt you, and you're not going to interrupt me when you were telling tell the world that I was slandering somebody. I didn't interrupt you. You were telling that lie, so you're not going to interrupt me. And secondly, I believe that people who pretend not to see racism or defend racism, as Steve just did, are part of that racism. How could you possibly know that I'm pretending? 
Tell me that. Steve, does the fact that the president didn't... Because you're not blind. Because you're on television all the time. Because they play the clips right in front of you like they played them in front of me. Because you watch it on television. And then the fact that you came on and asked Anderson to enumerate the ways in which the president were racist. Things that he had said that were racist. And and pretended you didn't know them already. Was already false. Was already no, because false. I disagree, and you knew it was false, but you wanted to put Anderson on his own, back on his heels to make him take up the time and trying to trying to enumerate these things that you already knew. Steve, no, and Steve, then when I'd Anderson like to... enumerated those things, you started to try to defend them as not being what everybody in America knows that they are. That's fine, Steve. You can I, be I part of it. I'm not knocking you for so for no. supporting his racism. I'm not. I'm just saying that that's what I'm you're doing. No. I have eyes and I have ears no. and I can see you doing it, and you can see yourself doing it and you just need to own it so i don't know who steve cortez is do you guys know no. you know again i don't watch a lot of cable news so forgive me um my guess is he's there probably from a a, a trump political organization would be a guess i don't know but um steve if you're watching from one steve to another what are you doing there What are you doing there? Oh, listen, Anderson Cooper's terrible. That's he did he did to you, Steve. The same thing. What's her face did to me on HLN last year uh, when I was being accused of standing for Christian Sharia, which is nothing. And the only time he he interjected into the conversation was an attempt to actually pin you down, not officiate. Or moderate the conversation. So, why are you there? Why engage? What is the purpose of engaging any of this? Who will it convince? Give me, give me the arc. I've said this a lot about the critics of Trump. Show me the voter who's just like, you know, I I was. Um, you know, I was really on the fence about whether I liked 5% economic growth or not. And then I saw Trump feed the Clemson kids McDonald's uh, filet of fish. So I, I, and, and I, I don't now. Show me who the voter is. It doesn't exist. Well, let, can I flip the script? Show me who watched that and thought, you know, I think this guy, is, it's just really unfair. Because the reality is, if you're tuned into that, you're, not, you're probably not into fairness on any level at all. You're, you're just one side of a tribe and the other, and this is a sporting contest to you at best. Looking at CNN's ratings and what Anderson Cooper draws, I think he's their number one show in prime time, and I believe he's 21st overall uh, amongst cable news shows. That's a big space bar. Yeah, so I, I don't know how many people in your tribe are watching. So, Steve, I got to ask, who did you offend on Team Trump? To draw that short straw why are you guys doing that why do you think that's why do you think that's gonna get out to anybody who would ever vote for you at all and instead you gave them a, a soundbite of being of a guy named uh charles blow who i don't know who that is either i think he was like a famous rap name from the curtis blow is what i was thinking of from the 80s remember yeah. curtis blow yeah that's back in the day at breaking two electric boogaloo yeah atlantic star remember those days you bet man that's seventh eighth grade skate you bet. My favorite time. <laughs> but I don't know. 
That's why I stopped doing them. I mean, so we're going to debate, am I a racist or am I really a racist? Why, why, yeah. why, why show up to that, Todd? Do you yeah. know? Well, unless you're unclear, because that man was actually, he was a skilled pugilist, a skilled uh, rhetorician. Um, but inside, just so it didn't go over your head, he actually said, we don't need to itemize, yeah. show you proof of actual racism, because you know who you are. Yeah. That's actually what he said. And as far as I know, within the clip we showed, I didn't. Um, Anderson Cooper did not push back on that. No. That's exactly what we were talking about last segment. I mean, there's no reasoning with these people. So why would you go into uh, the hornet's nest right there uh, when there's no hope of actually any any light getting in there? Because here's the thing. When you acknowledge this on this level, you are you're validating them. The best the best method to stop a fire is to deny it oxygen. So when you go in there and open the door and the and you're letting the backdraft out, guys. All right. You're given this validity. How many people that would ever vote for Trump or even think about it are going to watch Anderson Cooper and a, and a leftist debate each other on just whether Trump's racist or really racist? None. But you know what? Steve Cortez, assuming he's with some Trump super PAC or something, sends out to three million people. I'm going to be an Anderson Cooper tonight. Now, all of a sudden, you are subjecting your audience to this. Why? Why? We need to do what Aaron said earlier, uh, more broadly. We, we really, as Christians, need to come correct in terms of the areas in our life where we need to shake the dust from our feet. This you, is Herod's palace, yes. yes! You say it all the time about Rosa Parks? Yeah. No. No. If, what, what would they all do if we just said, we're not participating in this? Have even fewer viewers than they have now is what would happen. So why why are we engaging this? Let's There's, Go, go but, ahead, Aaron. But, the sad reality is, is there's going to be another group of people who see, oh, here's an opportunity for me to get on television. Once the Steve Daces of the world have gotten off, there's another slot for me to fill. There's another contributorship for me to fill because we're not a movement as far as conservatives go. The church itself is unhealthy as well. There's always going to be another group of people who they just like the attention. They like the spotlight being on them. They like to say, I was on CNN. That's the sad reality of where we are. You're right. Denying the fire oxygen would fix this. However, there's a lot of oxygen that is more than willing to find its way to the flame. CNN is next up again on Fake News or Not. Another CNN clip. Watch this. You've said uh, Trump's immigration positions are racist. That's a, that's the word you use, racist. Now, as you know, uh, you were more conservative early on in your career on immigration. CNN's K Files out with a new report this week on your 2008 campaign website and a mailer sent from your congressional office back then, a long time ago, but still in your in your public life. Uh, take a look. You said you were a quote firm opponent of giving quote amnesty to illegal aliens, unquote. You said English should be, quote, the official language of the United States. You called for expediting deportation of undocumented immigrants. Now, I know you have very different positions today, but let me ask you, if Trump's immigration positions are racist, were they racist when you held some of those positions as well? They certainly weren't empathetic and they were not kind. And 
I did not think about suffering in other people's lives. And one thing I did 10 years ago when I became senator and was going to represent 20 million people across our state, I recognized that a lot of places in my state were different and I needed to understand what those constituents needed too. And so I took the time. I went down uh, to Brooklyn. I met with India Velasquez, who's been a leader in fighting for families for a long time. And I listened. And I realized that things I had said were wrong. I was not caring about others. I was not fighting for other people's kids the same way I was fighting for my own. And I was wrong to, to feel that way. And so I just said, I'm not going to... I'm not going to stand by and do nothing for families that are suffering in my state and in my communities. Now, in that clip, uh, Tapper goes on to press her. Were you a racist or not? And she just continues to, to, to follow this line of deflection. Um, in the progressive religion, there is no redemption story. There is only the bowing of the knee to the identity intersectionality groupthink. And if you do that, no repentance or contrition is required. You are absolved because you've joined the right tribe. And so therefore, instead of saying, I find the president's views not empathetic, I'm in a state with a lot of um, undocumented workers and families. I represent them uh, in the United States Congress. Uh, and I would invite the president to come down if he really believes his hardline positions as I once held myself. He needs to come and meet and interact with some of the people that, that I represent in my state and see that it's not as plain and cut and dried as the world that he lives in. He's living in a world that has not that hasn't evolved. I mean, th- those are reasonable ways to articulate her position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, you're a racist for having the positions I used to have. And when I had those positions, I wasn't a racist then. I just was ill-informed. And now that I'm more informed, I've joined the tribe Love means never having to say you're sorry. All right? That's what this is. This is this is what this again is how a cult thinks. It's how a cult thinks. This is groupthink playing out. Folks, you are watching, man. I am really not trying to go bring out your dead. The end is nigh, but you are watching Romans 1 is playing out in real time on your television. In your neighborhood, Every day. I don't have to, I don't have to show remorse. I don't have to admit I was a racist for having the exact same positions. I was just wrong. When you have these positions, though, I will not offer similar mercy and grace to you to get better informed. You are just a racist and cannot be redeemed because the only redeemable act is to join my groupthink, period. You're inhuman. You're subhuman. Yes. And you're not, and you're subhuman because you aren't, in my in my tribe, Louis Farrakhan's in my tribe, so she'll go to the she goes to the she went to the women's march over the weekend, right? Didn't she go there? I believe she did. I believe so. Yeah. So Louis Farrakhan again, he's a, a documented racist, anti-Semite, but he's got enough of the of the identity politic that I belong to, so he's absolved. Instant absolution without any contrition, any penance, any 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 remorse whatsoever. You're watching the spirit of the age is what you're watching. And it's not that I'm smarter than all these people. It's that all their arguments are dumb. 
because cults make morons of us all. Next clip. But Ann Coulter says, I voted for Trump and I got Jeb. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, in a more positive fashion, also says the president shouldn't be giving. You just can't govern without giving in. And it, if conservatives, even though you're a conservative, there's not enough conservatives for you with, to win the presidency. You can't govern just for conservatives. So how does the president win here? Well, first of all, Ann Coulter, if she's got the, the way to get it done, let her run for office. She's never done that, so she's never had to be in the position of having to sit down and work through something to a solution. I have, and the president's in that position. And you're not going to get everything you want. We need to listen to those great political scientists of all time, the Rolling Stones, whose immortal song, you don't always get what you want. And that's the number one rule of politics. You give, you get. Sometimes you get more, sometimes you get less. But the president's main goal and the big promise he made was securing the border. He can do that, but in order to do that, he's got to do something that, quite frankly, I don't have a problem with. I think we do need to resolve this issue with uh, the people who came here because their parents brought them. They had nothing to do with it. It's not their fault. So I'm of two minds on this clip from uh, my old friend Mike Huckabee. I'd love to know what you guys think. On the one hand, I really resent the notion that you can't criticize seconded unless you run for office. Mm -hmm. Number one, this is a government by the people, for the people, of the people, which begins with the words, we the people. Okay, so this is a representative government. The system exists to serve us. Not, not to mention, let's just practice a little common sense. I, I don't know jack squat about cardiovascular surgery. But if you guys or myself or somebody we cared about was on that slab getting an open heart surgery performed and died on the slab, how many days in medical school would you think you would have had to have attended to realize, you know, I think that operation probably didn't go the way they had hoped? How many days do you think? Small number. Small number. None. None. There's a certain amount of common sense, right? So I really resent, that's, that's actually, and, and I'm kind of surprised to hear Mike say that because it's a fairly elitist notion, yes. all right? And, and he has been a vocal and eloquent critic of elitism throughout the course of his political career. I mean, his last name's Huckabee from Arkansas. And I, think, I, I still can't even pronounce the name of the Bible college he went to. Uh, Awicha Baptist or Awicha, I can't pronounce it, but he has pushed back on that sort of elitist notion that you just don't know as much as those of us in the smart set know. You could never know. No, I don't buy that at all. But the other thing that he brings up in there is true. You, you can't always get what you want. And this goes into a question we're going to ask a little bit later on in the show. He does bring up a point that now, I could counter that point by when they did have the votes to do what they wanted to do and the president wanted to do, why didn't they do it then, right? That's an obvious follow-up question that Brian Kilmeade right. could have asked that he did not. But I do think that you know we have to also understand what is possible and what is not. And I don't always know that we in our conservative base, and I've been part of that and, and have, had to, have had to evolve in some of those areas, we do have to understand what is possible and what is not at the exact same time. So I'm kind of double-minded on this clip. What do you think, Todd? Well, I, I, I was fine uh, with the latter. I don't disagree with you. But again, it was drowned out largely um, by – and that's, inc that's a real problem. 
we set Mike Huckabee aside, the thinkers of the right have really got to get over themselves. All right. Have a have a strong take, have a hot take, you know, all of that. All right. But why are we doing this? Who are we doing it for? Are we in this together? Is this your little private social club? I, you know, I just don't I, I don't. I didn't join a fraternity uh, when I was in uh, college. I, I don't. I, th- that stuff is abhorrent to me. Uh, Mike should have known better, but he's not alone in this. We, we are filled with this kind of thinking on Twitter on a regular basis. Yeah, if you want to pass the resentment pillow to me, Steve, here's what I resent. I resent the premise of the question that you can't govern conservatively because not all the c- country is conservative. No, no, that's true. The latter is true. Not all the country is conservative. Here's what I would like to see, though. How the heck would we know that unless we actually tried it? Mm-hmm. I would like to actually try it first before we declare that conservatism, you know, won't work. Because when we're starting from that premise, we're only going to get bad Republicans lead to worse Democrats. So this is a good lead in to what we're going to open up the phone lines and talk about next hour. What are you willing to give to get? Stay tuned. Your calls are next. And we are back with hour two of the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on The Blaze. Phone lines are open and we are anxious to conduct a little uh, real-time town hall with you and our audience uh, at 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. And we'll tell you what the topic is here that we want to get your feedback on in just a moment. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you're listening on the podcast today, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you have time uh, and haven't done so yet, uh, on the podcast platform of your choice, say maybe it's iTunes or someplace else, if you could leave us a five-star review, the more of those that uh, we continue to acquire, the more people just like you we tend to find. And then the more likely we get to stay employed and continue to do this for a living, which we enjoy. And so do our families. So thank you uh, for doing so as well to all of you that have already done so as well. Before we drop today's truth bomb, which is a follow-up to what we were just talking about at the end of hour one, and then get your take on it by opening up the phone lines, Aaron is going to pretend to promote one of our sponsors while simultaneously and deftly performing a humble brag. That is correct, because if there's one thing that I'm gifted at, it's humble bragging and passive-aggressive behavior. Um, that is uh, that 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 is a, a great lead-in again to passive ag- best passive-aggressive behavior. That's one thing you know. Maybe a New Year's resolution can fix. How are you doing on new, your New Year's resolutions? A lot of people have them. Whether it's uh, eating healthy, going you know on a diet like that, we promote uh, Brickhouse Nutrition on here as well. Um, finding a new job, maybe getting uh, upgrading your home uh, throughout the year. Those are great New Year's resolutions, but only one can actually maybe save your life. Resolve to take your firearm training to the next level with iTarget Pro. Utilizing your smartphone, their proprietary app tracks a caliber-specific laser, which fits in your firearm and will detect exactly where your shots are landing. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser, target system, and instructions so you can begin training immediately. 
take that Christmas cash. If you got any leftover, you can go to the letter itargetpro.com, check out the video, choose your caliber, and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. This month, you can get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com, offer code STEVE, itargetpro.com, offer code STEVE and Steve and Todd. Uh, I think I know what you guys' New Year's resolutions need to be. If you guys didn't set any, uh, it, needs to be getting, it needs to be getting a gun. You guys got to get uh, something so you can use just so you can use this system because it's really cool. You would you would enjoy it. You would you would really like it. Let's get to today's truth bomb. A completely contrived attempt uh, to promote my new book out now at Amazon.com and allegedly find bookstores everywhere. Uh, truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise. Uh, endorsed by a few names you may have heard of, like uh, our. Our peers here at The Blaze, such as Glenn Beck and Mark Levin and others. Uh, and those of you that have left uh, those uh, re- those five-star reviews on our Amazon page, thank you very much for those. And if you get a chance to read the book, if you could leave us one, we would appreciate that as well. So today's truth bomb, and this is what we're going to open the phone lines about here in just a few minutes. Today's truth bomb is about a tweet that the president sent out over the weekend. And he was talking about the government shutdown. He said, no. Amnesty is not a part of my offer. It is a three-year extension of DACA or Dreamers. Uh, Amnesty will be used only on a much bigger deal, whether on immigration or something else. Likewise, there will be no big push to remove the 11 million plus people who are here illegally. But be careful, Nancy. That's the President of the United States. How do you, is it, I want to make sure I'm being as fair as I can. Is it, do you guys think it's fair to say that he is at least putting amnesty for millions of Amer- for millions of illegals on the table as part of a future comprehensive immigration bill? Oh, it, yeah, it's it, fair to say that out loud. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It, it might just be, I mean, gosh, we're against four-dimensional chess. But the hard part about playing chicken is knowing when to fish. It might be the appearance of it instead of the reality. Because, again, you mentioned what I say about abortion. You used it in this very context yesterday, did you not? Because of you, you play this game because you know of what they're going to turn down. Right. The, and that, the, what you're referencing is I said yesterday that if you, if, if you went to Democrats and said, we'll give you everything on immigration you want, everything, with one exception. Everybody we amnesty never, ever gets the right to vote. That's the restitution they pay. You can everything else you want, you can have. It's just everybody that gets amnestied never gets to vote. They wouldn't take the deal, correct? Because all the other stuff is not really the stuff they care about. The voter drive is what they really care about, right? That's kind of what you're referring to. Yeah, which is why you got to get to your literal birdie like you did last week about a different matter. You got to tell them to do that. So if you go, the last time we had a, a mass amnesty of millions of illegals in America was Reagan's amnesty in 1986. Prior to Reagan's amnesty in 1986, Republicans won nine of the previous 10 presidential elections in California. If you are around Aaron's age or younger, that has to blow your mind, right? Because you have, you have grown up in an era where Republicans have several times in California not even gotten 40% of the popular vote in a presidential election. 
The last time Republicans won the state of California was in 1988, George Herbert Walker Bush won that election in California, I think by three points over Michael Dukakis. That was the last uh, time the Republicans won the state once Reagan's uh, mass amnesty uh, became uh, fully uh, installed. Why? Because there's a great lie you're being told. And sometimes it's just, it's a lie that is unintentional. It's well in, it's well intentioned because there is some truth to it. Okay. But it's, it's naive and fanciful. And then sometimes you're told this lie because um, uh, the people telling it to you are liars. And the lie goes something like this. You know, if we amnestied all these people that come from these predominantly Catholic countries and they're pro-life, I mean, look, I mean, how many kids do they have? They're pro-life, they're pro-marriage. Again, look at how many kids they have. And they will come here and if we are the if we're their emancipators and we give them amnesty, they will vote with us. What's what's actually happened is every time this theory's been tried. It has failed. And that's going to be today's truth bomb. You've been told that George Herbert Walker Bush, I'm sorry, George W. Bush, was very popular with Hispanics, more so than any Republican. You've, how many times have you heard that line, Todd? Quite a few. Do you know in two presidential elections, what's the highest total of the Hispanic vote George W. Bush got? Do you know? My memory is it was something between 20 and 30%. You got 40% once. Did he get 40? At 40% once. That was his highest total. On average, Republicans have averaged since 1980 in presidential elections, they've averaged about 30 some odd percent in the 30s of the Hispanic vote. Whether it's Mitt Romney, my father's partially Hispanic, uh, whether it's Ronald Reagan, um, whether it's Donald Trump, they their numbers really haven't changed all that much. Um, because there's here's something you're not being told. The, the Christianity that largely exists in these Latin American countries has been fused with Marxism and liberation theology. And the reason these people are coming here is because their governments are bankrupt and can no longer provide the jobs and welfare state benefits that they previously did. And so they come here because we provide those things. And then when they come here, um, in their homes, I agree, they will teach and reinforce a lot of those values. You know, I've been involved in marriage amendment initiatives uh, in, in a past career and covered them closely. And they're a major, you, I think it was seven and a half million people voted uh, to protect marriage in California in 2008. On election day, 2008 in California, Barack Obama got 61% of the popular vote and, and seven and a half a million Californians voted to defend marriage. That's more votes than Ronald Reagan ever got, either for president or governor of California, by the way. I think it's more votes than any Republican statewide has ever gotten in California in the history of the state. 
So it's real simple math. You don't have to you don't have to be a wonk like I am in one of my other careers. You can just do deductive reasoning. If Barack Obama is getting sixty plus percent of the popular vote in a presidential election and marriage is passing, what does that mean, guys? That a lot of folks went there to vote for Barack Obama and also voted for what? Marriage. Marriage. And most of them weren't white. I mean, every study we've ever done shows if you're white and voting Democrat, the odds you will vote with us on a, on a ballot initiative to defend marriage is much lower than if you're black or brown and you're voting Democrat. In case in point, marriage lost in Minnesota and Maryland in the 2012 presidential election. It outperformed Mitt Romney in both of those states. Way outperformed him in Maryland. Why? A whole lot of black people in Baltimore went there and voted for Barack Obama and voted for the marriage amendment while they were there. So there is some truth to it. This isn't, this is not, it's not like they just are like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not Catholic anymore. That, that's, it's not like that. But the problem is there has been a syncretism of the church and the welfare state in the countries they come from. And so when we give them a standalone, if we had a, if we had a referendum on the ballot, Vote to stop Planned Parenthood, we'd get a ton of their votes. But when the, when the referendum on the ballot is Republican and Democrat, they vote overwhelmingly for the welfare state. No matter what overtures we make, no matter what language we use, no matter how nice we are, the numbers are what they are. And what's happened to California is the, is the ultimate proof of this. If you look at the percentage of, of births in Texas right now, the demographic where the highest birth rates in Texas are to non-citizens. It's the demographics of Texas are almost identical to what they were in California prior to Reagan's amnesty in 1986. So tell me why you wouldn't have the exact same situation occur in Texas with a mass blanket federal amnesty that you had occur in California. I don't, know that the answer to that there that the answer to that is you would is any other answer that is exactly what would happen this is the least complex connect the dots ever so if you here's what happens if you turn texas blue if you do the math on that if you turn texas blue the the road to 270 for the republican party is impossible i i want to say it's impossible it's the odds of monkeys flying out of my butt. I mean, it, it, they have to roll snake eyes like five times in a row at the craps table on their last chip, basically. It's what they have to do to get to 270. Okay? Um, and that takes every issue that you care about. Now, Second Amendment. Maybe you don't care about the immigration issue. What issue, from a liberty perspective, what issue do you care about? Turn Texas blue and it's an endangered species overnight. Overnight, threatened with extinction because the political hegemony they have is overwhelming. Now, I'm kind of torn on this because I would love to see the end of the Republican Party. I think it is, I think it is America's care. It, 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 the Republican Party is to the progressive movement what care is to the Islamist movement. It's a false front operation. They do a better job uh, managing it and imposing progressivism on America than the Democrats do. On the other hand, I also recognize what the political uh, the, the political result will be of, of this kind of hegemony. Because 
here's the thing. While the Republican Party would stop winning national elections, I don't think it would go away, though, necessarily. So now you got the worst of both worlds. Now you got a Republican Party that sucks and can't win. Now, it has, now at least you have a party that can win. It just sucks. <laughs> so now you have a party that sucks and can't win. All right, that's, that's it's not, it's not desirable. And, but that's what's at stake, I believe, with the math of a mass amnesty, like the one Trump is talking about in that tweet. So here's my question to you today at 888-933-93. 888-933-93. Let's go back to the, the clip we played of my old buddy Mike Huckabee at the end of the last hour. You have to be willing to give to get. And that's true in pretty much any walk of life, right? So my question to you is, how much amnesty are you willing to give to get what you want from an immigration situation? How much? All, some, none. And I think the opinion of an audience like this matters more than any other opinion. Why? Because of who you are. The majority of the people listening to a show like mine are doing so because they are um, pretty devoted, probably, to the Constitution, to a very principled form of conservatism. And it's likely that you, you may have varying degrees of how much of the president's persona slash shtick you like or you're repulsed by. Um, but most people that voted for the president in an audience like this one did so not because they're, if they're first in line at a rally to go there and, and tell Trump how great he is, but because you did it um, out of an act of political practicality, political survival. Um, you're not inclined to move your positions because you fawn over the president and these are hit, this is where he's at now, so you'll move with him. You're not inclined to do that. You're inclined to support the president because he's more inclined to support your positions than the Democrats ever are. And that's why, how much are you willing to move with him if he goes down this road? Because that will go a long way into determining whether he can get reelected doing this or not. Because if an audience like this one is willing to say, my reservations with Trump aside, uh, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't be in favor of any amnesty, but I'll put up with whatever he does because we have to stop the Democrats no matter what. That gives him a lot of negotiating room. I mean, if you're willing to say, we'll give the Democrats whatever they want to get a deal done, chances are eventually you'll find the terms to get a deal done. <laughs> All right. But if an audience like this is willing to say, hey, I voted for this guy. And one of the reasons why is he promised me no amnesty. And now we're going to do amnesty. If that's if if, I'm out. Well, now he's where I think he is potentially if he doesn't win this, he's in read my lips, no new taxes territory. So I think an audience like this one that is generally supportive of the president's policies, if not his persona, and would contain a, 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 a... a group of people that more likely voted for the president, not out of approval of him as an individual, but out of recognition, he was more likely to line up with your positions than the opposition, who it has very little interest in lining up with your positions, much more interest in vanquishing them. 
the, you're the group he's got to hold. Most of the people following him at Breitbart are going to move where he's at. Right? That's just the reality. And he can never win over the, 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 the weekly standard crowd. You know? So you in this, an audience like this, you make up the majority of the base the president has to hold in order to hold on to power. So your opinion on this matters a heck of a lot more than, say, even an Ann Coulter's, frankly. Because you're the folks he has to get to vote again. And without you, he has no hope of expanding his base. And if he can't expand his base, he's not going to get reelected. So what do you think? 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. The question on the table for you here today on The Blaze. How much amnesty are you willing to give up? To get a deal done. 888-900-3393. Todd, what do you think? How much amnesty? Well, the answer for me uh, is zero. But it cannot possibly be zero uh, in the... Listen to me, when the, they already broke the law when they came over here. Um, if, if, if they're just instantly going to be tr- the, the illegals, and they are illegal, but if we see no gray area at all in this situation, we won't, we won't be able to rectify it either. We, are, we have been part of a systemic problem where we and we as a very broad companies politicians have let the gates go wide open and listen you just need to be honest with yourself you cannot expect people living in countries that are uh, glorified garbage dumps in many respects to appreciate what our actual laws are more than we have okay that we just need to deal with that reality so the answer should be zero but steve has this sometimes there is a but and Steve's butt is the biggest, is the best one that I've heard on this. And it's not just because he's sitting to my left right now. The, there, there's got to be a caveat. The best possible one is that they never become uh, uh, voting uh, citizens. Uh, that's grown up thinking. If you're not capable of doing that sooner or later, Steve's telling you the tide is trending towards us losing this. He's actually talking about losing Texas. This isn't for a dramatic effect. This isn't slippery slope Almost stuff. lost it a couple months ago. Yeah. Right. You know, you almost, you almost lost it a couple months ago. I mean, I, I'm not sure whose Liberty score at conservative review would be lower, frankly, yeah. between John Cornyn and Beto O'Rourke. You'd basically have two Democratic senators from, this, from the state of Texas had, had, had Beto pulled off that upset. So... Let's find out what the audience thinks. 888-900-3393 is the number here on The Blaze. Let's go to Michigan first, and let's start with Bill. Bill, question on the table for you is, how much amnesty are you willing to give to get what you want? I would be willing to give a very minimal, uh, when you talk illegal aliens, there could be people that are illegal in the U.S. because it wasn't really by something they did. Their parents brought them over. They weren't of maybe the age of consent. And it would have to be an individual basis. They would have to be well vetted to prove that they are a positive influence in the U.S., that they've been uh, following the laws, they've been contributing, you know, to the economy of the U.S. and that. But to do it blanket, no. But if something isn't given, I don't think Trump's going to get anything he wants. I'm all for the border wall. But right now, anything that he wants, the Democrats are going to oppose. So, so you're okay 
with offering DACA or Dreamers. Those are the young the people you're talking about that were brought here as children, you know, below the age of consent. You're okay with granting them amnesty. What would you say to somebody who notes that I, I don't know how much of the American people really know about the average dreamer or DACA recipient. And when I brought these up, you know, Chuck Todd's getting a, a deserved heat right now. Uh, but he brought me on uh, Meet the Press Daily uh, to share this information with the country, which I appreciate. The average DACA recipient that reaches adulthood uh, has a higher level of college education and makes a higher level of wage than the average American does, which means you know universities have only so many spots, which means they took a spot in a university away from someone that was a uh, was an actual American citizen and paid their taxes and then used that spot to then make more money than the people that have been paying taxes and obeying law the law the, this entire time. What would you say to somebody who said, that's why I don't want to give them any amnesty? They've already gotten a better deal than was offered to me, for goodness sakes. What would you say to that person, Bill? I, I can't say that that's necessarily true. It may be true in some instances. Some of the times, it's the fact that uh, they've applied yourself more. I know living in Michigan, the area where I live, years ago, we used to have a lot of migrant workers. Most mm-hmm. of them, if not all of them, were probably illegal. And everybody said, well, you know, they're down in that. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. They were actually pretty hard workers, and a lot of the stuff they were doing, U.S. people didn't want to do. And I'm Didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it for the money that those guys were willing to do it for. Which, which right. do you think it is? I think it's a little bit both. They didn't want to do it okay. for the money that they were getting, and they didn't want to do the type of work because it was hard physical labor. I've been retired for a while now, and I'm finding a lot of the newer generation that's coming up of, of uh, kids and children, and I hate to say it, they think if they show up for work, they deserve a paycheck, you know, without really putting forth any effort. And with the U.S. has to make some drastic changes, both you know, to the moral and the policies and the principles they have. I'm not saying we should give anything away. I'm saying you should have to work for it. But if you're willing to work for it, I think you should be able to qualify it. You know, but you've got to obey the laws. You've got to keep out of trouble. And you've got to try to make a positive difference and impact for the U.S. Thanks for the call, Bill. Appreciate you listening to us today on The Blaze, brother. God bless. Take care. 888-900-3393, you can agree or disagree. Bill said he'd be willing to offer some limited amnesty to the so-called dreamers in order to get the border security enforcement mechanisms that the president advocates he's in favor of. What do you think? Let's go to Virginia next. Kent is there. Kent, thanks for joining us today on the Steve Day Show, man. What say you? I say nay. I don't believe, I mean, what do people not understand about the fact that coming in here was illegal? I mean, they've broken mm-hmm. the law from the very beginning. Uh, but you being a Christian, we should already know that this is not going to change. This is only going to get worse. We either have repentance in this country or we have apocalypse. One of the other. Uh, and it's coming mm-hmm. really fast. Thank you, Ken, for the call. We are definitely heading towards a reckoning. There's no question about that. You know, I've been trying to be a little more plain about that because I don't, you know, I'm not into paranoia by nature. I'm you know, I still uh, had my monthly poker night with my buddies last night and watched Iowa State, Kansas on a Big Monday. You know, um, I'm I'm still, you know, helping take care of. I've got a family, we have a, a sick wife and kids right now. So I'm, you know, I'm going to the drug town like I would if any other day. You know, I mean, that's that's sort of the inherent tension of the Christian faith. 
it, the yes and not yet, the no, but yes, it's happening and coming, you know, that, that sort of, you know, paradoxical tension within the Christian faith that we are to read the sign of the times, but we're also not, when we recognize where those signs are leading, we don't also, you know, uh, put on flame retardant suits uh, and, you know, hide out in compounds thinking, uh, you know, creating self-fulfilling prophecies either at the same time, right? You know, so... That makes that's what makes this difficult for people is a lot of times people want things to be uh, simpler, especially when it comes to giving them what they want. Um, Kent said no amnesty whatsoever. None. Is that a realistic position? I already answered that, and I don't know if he heard me when I said it. Uh, my answer was zero again out of the gate and, and and i perhaps wasn't clear in a in a blanket sense the number is zero, is zero it is not our policy to play this ridiculous game uh, anymore but but can i say something real quick yes i cuz i i want to make sure those of you that are consuming some other conservative media out there that are gop apologists they could have it's very you need to understand there's other budget they didn't have 60 votes for obamacare in 2009 there's there's you can do things through reconciliation and other things to get things passed in and around filibusters they could have earmarked the republican congress could have earmarked 2 5 10 15 20 billion dollars for the president's wall the last 2 years and yeah, had straight course. and had straight up up and down votes uh, in order to in order to uh, get it done, they didn't do that. Okay, I think that needs to be stressed because you're you're going to be told that well we have to give something in order because the Democrats just won the election. Understand the people that are telling you this are giving you a scam. What they're telling you is elections don't have consequences when Republicans win them, but they do have consequences when Democrats win them. They either have they either have consequences regardless of who wins, or they don't have any consequences at all. All right. So Republicans won the previous election in 2016. They had total control of Washington. They could have earmarked this money and put that bill on the president's desk all this time. The filibuster wasn't stopping them. All the other things you're being told are not true. They're lies. All right. They didn't do it because they don't believe in it. That's why they didn't do that. And that's why you're in a position of negotiating with Democrats in the House now, because Republicans don't agree or believe on many of the things that they ran on and lied to you about all of these years. More in a moment. I want to make sure everybody heard what I said before the end of the last segment. They didn't need 60 Senate votes. No, no, no. You gave them power. They had all kinds of legislative methods like reconciliation, the things Democrats did when they had control to get things done uh, in the early Obama years. They had all the same power available to them to, to provide the funding for the president's wall so we never got to this point. Anybody in conservative media who tells you differently is a liar. At best, misinformed and therefore should has has essentially effectively forfeited their job at worst period 
period. So in case some of you didn't hear that, you, you might need to clean the wax out of your ears. And you know what? I got just the thing. Okay. How's that for a segue? Did you like that one? He's a pro, man. He's a pro. Yeah, that was good. I ain't the best color man in the business for nothing, Bob. That's right. It's called Wax RX. If you've got problems itching ears, see what I did there? If you've got some itching ears uh, and, and maybe you're having a hard time hearing some of the truth bombs we're, we're trying to share with you. Check out WaxRx. They use a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then will soothe your ear with a pH-conditioned formula. And now you can use WaxRx without a prescription. So no more expensive trips to the doctor, no more wasted time using cotton swabs or other solutions that don't really solve the problem, maybe even make it worse. Try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com, usewaxrx.com. That's all one word. That's the website. And while you're there, use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com, offer code radio for free shipping. Now, Todd, I I rudely interrupted you. You graciously uh, permitted me to, but I want to give you a chance to finish the point you were making in response to Kent from Virginia before the break. Well, you ably said what I was going to say to address the fact after I said, but again, that I understand, Kent, where you're coming from for the reason Steve laid out. The fact that in in real time here, we just can't trust these guys. So we just, we draw our own line in the sand. I get it. So we're, we're almost not talking about reality, but we, in, as thinkers, we, this is kind of game theory. You got to play this out in your head. I'm simply saying, if the, the deal on the table does definitively end this sham forever through whatever means, a, a wall, the law, uh, technology, if it is guaranteed, you got to ask yourself the question, but... Not 11 million, but whatever small number of legitimate, the most humanitarian concerns that all of us would agree upon, uh, if we could, if we could get in the safe space where we could actually have that conversation, uh, and it's a number that. Steve's the number cruncher. It's a number not not close to 11 million, but it's small enough that it doesn't shake up. There's the only a few table. hundred thousand dreamers. Is, okay, is really whatever the, the small yeah. number is, if whether it be the dreamers or a different body, are you really telling me if you could permanently stop this? In theory, if you could permanently stop it, but you would have to give a small number amnesty of some kind. You're honestly telling me absolutely no. See, I just, I, that's, Steve has used this kind of example when he talked about how uh, Newt Gingrich broke the back, was close to breaking the back of Bill Clinton, and, mm-hmm. and Bill Clinton just needed something to go back to. This was the 95 yes. budget shutdown that helped get Bill Clinton reelected. Right. His presidency was mortally wounded after yes. a, a, a huge rebuke in 94. Yeah. Uh, he even gave the State of the Union address uh, that next year saying the era of big government is over. Yeah. Uh, he started signing pretty much just about anything uh, that uh, the, uh, the Republican Congress was giving him that we like. That's where we got bud- balanced budgets right. and defensive marriage acts and welfare reform where you got two years on welfare and if you didn't find a job, we just cut you off. From Bill Clinton. Okay, we got this yes. stuff from Bill Clinton. Well, they had this budget fight at the end of 1995 and they have, and Bob Dole and Newt Gingrich go on the back of Air Force One and, and, and try to, and, and go beyond hardball to, um, essentially the kind of surrender terms Klingons offer. Wipe them give out, us, give us everything them. you want and we give you nothing. 
And Bill Clinton was like, guys, I need something. I, if you give me nothing, I'm going to get primaried from the left mm -hmm. by Jesse Jackson and I'm going to lose. I got to have something to go back to my base with to say I won some kind of fight and it doesn't even have to be something major, but something token. They gave nothing and walked off the back of that bus or back of that plane. They put Bill Clinton in a position to, to engage a fight that frankly he didn't have the balls for. They just put him in a situation where it was survival or nothing. Right. All right. And that ended up being the infamous budget shutdown of 1995. And uh, and that helped, uh, you know, position Bill Clinton for reelection in 1996. That's kind of what you're talking about. It is. So have I made now, my I will point say clear? this, though. There's the the Democratic Party of 1995 and 1996, Chuck Schumer was sponsoring RIFRA, Religious Freedom Laws back then. I know. And so where guys like Ken are going to come back to us with, with, with or to you with, your, with what you're saying is, show me, I don't believe any border enforcement mechanism that the, de oh. that the Democrats would agree to is worth, would actually enforce or, or defend I anything. I understand. I understand. Yeah. But you still got to game it out in your head. If your answer is zero, no matter what, no matter what, I just, I, there's, that's, that's quite frankly, I'm, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And that, I, I don't see a way that well, that doesn't the, it, boomerang back on and you. The, and that's end. the problem. You can't negotiate with people who don't want anything yes. you want. Yeah. That's not a negotiation. That's a showdown. That's the okay corral. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. When there's when there's nothing you want that they would be willing to accommodate, where do, where is the negotiation point? Right. Negotiation comes when you want more of something or or you want something someone else doesn't want, but there's other things of that you want that they do yeah. that they don't mind. When there's nothing the other party wants that you want, yeah. tell me where you negotiate. You just answered the question. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah. Let's go back to the phones, 888-900-3393. I think we have Arlen in Wyoming back. We'll start with you, Arlen. Thanks for your patience. What do you think, Arlen? Hey, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Um, uh, I could be worse or a, lot, uh, or a lot better, but thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, no worries. Hey, here's the deal, man. We're talking about DACA. We're talking about a situation that is uh, what can we do. That horse is already out of the barn. So if we're going to address that issue honestly, there's an old saying that says, no cost, no value. So if we have no cost, no value, none of these programs are going to work. My suggestion is, why don't we attach the same principle and policies? If you want to become a naturalized citizen, you have to go through the same process and pass all the same naturalization tests that are required if you want to come into this program. Otherwise, this is all one big game, and none of it's going to work. Well, Arlen, that is why I, I really believe the remedy to this is to tell the Democrats that in exchange for a wall, which, which, will, which will make it far more difficult for us to have this conversation 20, 30 years from now, again, in exchange for a wall, we'll give you everything you want with one exception um, – these naturalized illegals, these illegals, once they become naturalized, don't ever get to vote and they don't ever get they don't they don't ever get that and put and give them everything they could possibly want other than that, because that that to me puts all of the pressure on them. Yes. On them at that point. You, you can't you've given them everything other than we're not going to let folks that invaded your country vote vote out the values that, you know, are your birthright as Americans. I mean, that's that's now where we're in the position of we have we've offered you everything we could offer you. And the only thing you've left us with is is you'll give us all or nothing. Well, now you've put us in a position now where we have there to we fight go. because we've given 
everything of, we've offered you everything we could possibly give. Good phone call, Arlen. Appreciate it. Let's go back to the phone. Let's go to Utah next. Jody is there. Jody, welcome to the blaze. What say you, Jody? Um, I'm going to repeat the line Val Kilmer used in Tombstone as Doc Holliday. I'm your Huckleberry, and I'm okay with a shootout at the OK Corral. I'm completely hmm. okay with that. I'm done. I've had it past my eyeballs, and I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. And considering I sit in a wheelchair and I have five herniated discs in my back, where do you think I'm getting the strength to lift them, let alone throw them? I, I've uh, had, that is well said. I, real, I realize that that really is a no negotiation but that's in response to no, 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 and they've stepped on us and defecated on us for years, and I've had it. And you have every reason yeah. to not feel that way, to believe that. That's yeah. not a feeling. There's, you can listen to Jody. She's not, fe- she's not fed up. No, that's conviction. That's a belief, yeah. and there is plenty of evidence, Jody, for you to have that belief. God bless you. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. All right, before we get to final thoughts, what we learned here today, that's uh, brought to you by uh, our good friends uh, over at Real Estate Agents I Trust. And this is a company that, uh, that Glenn Beck and uh, some of his partners started six years ago. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, you want to look up Real Estate Agents I Trust. Uh, and Glenn and his friends started this because it's it's getting increasingly more difficult to find a real estate agent who doesn't just talk a good game, but can deliver the goods when it counts the most. Uh, I was talking to somebody here that works in the office was telling me they're selling their home for the first time. And we were, I was reminiscing this. That's one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life is sell a home. All right. Wish somebody would add real estate agents. I trust back then. And I had a really good real estate agent and I had a really good one. Uh, Scott Remsburg's his name, still a good buddy of mine. And I was still really stressed out. So I, when your expectations aren't met, when, when, you know, they're not showing up for appointments the way that you thought or returning calls the way that you were expecting. I mean, it's stressed out when you have a good agent. I don't know how some of y'all handle it when, uh, when you don't. Well, that doesn't have to happen to you anymore uh, with real estate agents, itrust.com. And here's the difference between this and other referral services. Other referral services are really about real estate agents finding you as a customer. This one is about you, the customer, finding the right agent. It kind of reverses the paradigm there and puts the power where it belongs with you uh, as the home buyer, home seller. Real estate agents, I trust, is the best way to buy or sell a home in America. You can buy or sell for fast and for the right price with the right team at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, so gentlemen, Final thoughts. What did we learn here today? Aaron, you've been quiet for a while. I'll start with you this time. Yeah. Um, well, two things as far as what we learned today. Uh, one is what do we always say about politics and elections? They're how we do civil war um, in this country and uh, without actually killing each other. And, and we're headed towards a real uh, civil war, as we articulated, especially in the first hour. Uh, but it seems to me, as far as what's reasonable, what's realistic, um, when your enemy is telling you there will be no peace negotiations, mm-hmm. there will be no, um, there there will be no mutual protection pact, there will be no pact whatsoever. We either kill you 
or um, we kill you. Uh, those are your two options. Mm-hmm. Um, you are left with nothing else. So again, even though this doesn't sound reasonable, uh, why not? Why don't you just say no amnesty? We build a wall and we secure a border, and we're going to make the other son of a gun die for his cause um, and not die for ours. Okay, that's that's the attitude that we need to have. Instead, the Mitch McConnells, the Republican establishment, really the swamps position is what you heard from Brian Kilmeade uh, later or late last hour in fake news or not. What Brian Kilmeade um, articulated in his question to Mike Huckabee is the swamps position. We can't, we can't go, we, we can't govern 100% conservative. We, that's just not an option. So you, there has to be a given. Every single time when you start from that premise, that is the premise of the question. That is the premise of their thinking. That is not, okay, we were at that point, we tried that, and we found out that that doesn't work, so we're we're right. No, when you start with that as your premise, that conservatism can't work, that it's not going to work, and so you have to give up something, you are always going to get screwed. That is the thought process, I guarantee you, of every single rhino, of every single swamp creature in Washington, D.C., that this is not going to work, so we have to give up something. No, no, that is why we're in this position to begin with, is because um, conservatism, again, it can work if you actually try it. Um, I believe, I would at least like to see, I would like to see it defeated. Let's, let's go there. But I guarantee you, if you start with that as the beginning of your thought process, you're going to get screwed every time. And if that's the idea that maybe Trump or the people around him are coming to him, well, we can't get this, so we have to try. No, Trump should just, you know what, he's got nothing to lose. We keep saying that. He should just stick to his guns, just make the most ridiculous offer that he knows the Democrats are going to uh, reject, make the most ridiculous offer, and force everybody, both Republicans and Democrats, if they get sick of this shutdown, force everybody to show their true cards. That's what he really should do. Because again, this is civil war. This is how we do civil war until we actually do civil war in this country. Uh, the other thing that I was reminded by one of our listeners, Todd uh, Saffel, um, don't end up in a ditch today if you're in the upper Midwest. The um, Remember I said earlier that one of the scams we are confronted with is that ele- we're told elections have consequences when Democrats win, and that's why Republicans can't do anything. And then we're told that elections don't have consequences when Republicans win, and so they don't do the stuff they promised us to win, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me give you another scam. Aaron just kind of touched on it a little bit. Let me let me even go uh, more plain. Uh, we can't govern completely conservative is code for we're not going to try and govern conservative at all. Since we can't do 100% conservatism, we're just going to do zero. Again, that's... That's what I just said. That's the premise. Yes. That's not just the, uh, you know, a a roadmark on the way to another conclusion. If that's the premise, then that's exactly what you're saying. No, I mean, the reality is... This is what the Republican Party is. The relationship between conservatives and the Republican Party is the relationship between the U.S. and the Soviet Union around September of 1945. I mean, it sounded good, you know, doing uh, vodka shots with uh, Joe when you had a unified enemy to fight against. And yeah, you kind of knew 
when y'all were like, hey, we'll meet up in Berlin, you kind of knew they were taking the swastikas down and just, you know, firing up the hammer and sickle flag and had no intent of giving any of that uh, any of that land back at the end. You kind of knew, but you were in a position at that moment where your own survival's at stake and you didn't really have the luxury in your mind of contending with a with an argument that if you don't win this argument in front of you you'll never be able, you'll never survive civilizationally to have the, the, the that argument with them next right well now you're reaching the point though that you're those things you ignored because it, you, you kind of had to at the time are now you're being reminded of those things you the, the, it's not joe anymore and you're not doing vodka shots. It's Joseph. It's Stalin. And he never intended to share the world with you either. He was just using you this entire time. And now you're being reminded that, oh yeah, we're not really teammates. We were barely bedmates. This wasn't even a booty call. I mean, this was a co-belligerency. We're not allies. That's really what the relationship is between is becoming between conservatism and the Republican Party. Todd, you get the last word. Uh, the only thing I would alter, and it's where I was going anyways, is, you know, reaching the point. And I think that's our hope talking like we still have time. We are there. One of my favorite lines in movie history uh, is from The Untouchables. Uh, Sean Connery has just gotten hell blast out of him, a bullet ridden body laying on the floor. And he grabs Kevin Costner's Elliot Ness and, and tells him, what are you prepared to do? Well, he could have said that five minutes ago before he was dying and LNS, I don't know, I don't know. We are living after the bullets have fired and, and the blood has been spilled. And if we ask ourselves that question uh, and we don't realize we are living in the Romans one that Steve talked about earlier, we are almost certainly going to come up with the wrong answers. We have got to come clear. Even with our wealth right now, our means, our, the things we enjoy, just like Steve says, the moment is now, not later now or we will be overrun everything jody in utah said a minute ago is 100 percent right on the money mm -hmm. in fact we could have just made this like a three and a half minute show and just began with jody in utah what do you think had her just drop the mic and we'll see you tomorrow all right i mean she just summed up the last two hours in one phone call that's that and but her call is exactly why i suggest they offer this deal because there's a lot of Americans that don't want to come to grips with the reality that Jody is articulating is, is coming is, is happening. And I think one way to compel them to see this is for them to see we cannot negotiate with these leftists. They will not negotiate. They just want to end our way of life. Period. John 3:17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.